Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we fill your house with song and praise. We come with petitions on our hearts and things to lift up. We come seeking your healing and your guidance. As we hear your word read and proclaimed this morning, O Lord, open our ears that we would clearly hear what you would have us do. But while our ears are open, O Lord, transform our hearts so that we would leave this place not hearers of your word only, but as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So a few years back, the staff where I was working, the church where I was working, we went away for one of those one-day, all-day staff retreat team-building exercises. You know, the things that get pilloried in Dilbert or in TV shows like The Office. This was one that didn't involve ropes courses or trust falls, thank goodness. This one involved a test. 
Maybe you've been to one of those where you go into the room and the facilitator hands out this paper and says, fill this out. And it starts asking you a bunch of questions. This was one of those tests like the DISC or the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram. Similar to those, but it didn't really delve into your personality as much. This was called the Path Elements Survey, where it broke us up into groups like Earth, Wind, Fire. I know it sounds like a band, right? Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Water. The basic elements, if you will, of creation, earth, wind, fire, and water. And so the way this approach worked is we filled this out and we identified what we are. So for example, I'm in earth. And let me be very clear. This is probably the only time someone has ever called me earthy. Okay. I'm just not that kind of a guy, but I was earth, meaning I like things logical, methodical, think things through. I like to know exactly where I'm standing before I leap. Just me, right? You know, earth. And so there's my group, you know, we're over here in the earth. And then we got the winds over here. You know, they kind of go wherever life takes them. And it's kind of fun to be a wind or so they say. Um, For earth, that's very threatening, by the way. Um, And then you've got the waters, you know, they kind of go with the flow of life. They kind of want to create by running deep channels of through things. And then there are the fires, you know, the fires, they just like to kind of come in and stir it up and, you know, kind of burn things down. Not literally, though probably some of them do, uh, but, you know, trying to get things stirred up and destroy by, you know, creating chaos. And so we've got the staff spread out in the four corners of this room and we're looking at each other. And the first question they said was, Talk about what your group is and what you like about being in your group. So, of course, you know, all the earths, we quickly sat down. We came up with a flow chart. We came up with a series of points, bullets. We had it all figured out. Meanwhile, the, you know, the fires are sitting there going, can we just stop doing this so we can get on to whatever's next? And the winds are like, now, what is it that we're supposed to be doing again? And the waters, oh, we don't know what the waters were doing. They were over there in the corner having a party. But we're there. And then the next thing we did was talk about what the other elements do that drives you crazy. Now, this is dangerous territory, by the way, because immediately, I mean, the earth, we were off like a cannon. I mean, we were just making lists. We had everybody figured out. And for some reason, they didn't like that about us. I mean, the fires are like, well, y'all just stop so we can move on. The, the winds are like, wait a minute, you hurt our feelings. We're like, what are feelings? I, I, I know what they are, trust me. Um, but they did this. And so the whole idea, and then at the end of it was, the facilitator said, now, what do the other groups have? Well, how are their types helpful for you? So now we had to make a list of how the fires were helpful for the earth and how they're helpful for how the water's helpful. And we had to do this. And then finally, the facilitator says, now, what would it look like if any one group wasn't in the room? What would it look like for your organization if the fires weren't present or if the earth weren't present? And then they ask the big question, what can you bring from your corner of the room to the middle of the room for the good of the whole, for the good of the organization 
so that you all succeed as a staff. What would it look like if earth, wind, fire, and water worked together with their particular set of skills for the good? Isn't that what you need as a staff, as a church to succeed? We did a lot of thinking and talking about that that afternoon. See, when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, Paul is appealing to them to seek God's higher purpose for themselves and for the church. He appeals them to build community by being humble and gentle with each other, by bearing each other in love, by maintaining a unity of God's spirit. He says it's important for us to do that, to be, humi- to be humble and gentle to bear each other in love and to maintain a unity of the spirit because, and he uses the word one seven times in today's passage. He says, because there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Paul uses a repetition of the number one to remind the church at Ephesus that they are together in this, that, that, that oneness is what matters most. That singular purpose of being one, united under God, is what matters most. And you know, as I think about that, as I read that scripture again and again over the last couple of weeks, I realized that is so important for us to remember today. I mean, we live in a world that is very individualistic. You know, you see celebrities talk about it's all about me. And there are times that maybe even we've uttered that as a joke. Well, you know, it's all about me. And sometimes we really want it to be all about us as individuals. But who are we kidding? It can't be always about us, can it? Or we look at our world, our world has this divisiveness to it, this conflict that's going on, whether we can't, whether we are on different sides of issues and we can't really speak to each other without yelling and screaming, without making a pitching a fit like what you see on the TV news shows. It's got to be where you watch news and it's no longer news, it's more like a shouting match where someone wants to make sure that they are heard over the other person on the couch and they're back and forth and back and forth. And I just want to turn the TV off and listen to the silence. Because we're getting nowhere with the divisiveness. We're getting nowhere with the, cl- with the conflict. But if that's going on out in the world, imagine what happens when the world works its ways into the church. I think we do a pretty good job in the church of trying to keep the world at bay. That's what we're called to do. We're called to take the goodness of what happens in this place and take it out in the world. But sometimes, ever so often, sometimes when those doors are open, the individualism, the divisiveness, the conflict of the world works its ways into the walls of the church. And we emulate the world rather than the world emulating us. And so Paul reminds us in today's passage, Paul reminds us that we are better together than we are apart, that we are better together when we're focused on the singular purpose of Christ that we're better together when we realize that Christ came into this world to unify the world, to help the world realize that there was a God in heaven who loves each and every one of us, the God that created you and me, loves us and wants us to be together. 
And so the words today from our passage are words that I hope that we can learn to live by. To be humble and gentle with each other. To begin to see each other as human beings and it may be just maybe that what happens in our lives isn't just happening to us but happening to others. Minister tells a story of an English immigrant who comes to this country and he lands in one city and he rents a car to drive to the other. And as he gets in the car, he looks at the gas gauge and he thinks, I shouldn't have to worry about it. There'll be gas stations all along the way. But you know how this story is going to go, right? Because now we've set it up. All of a sudden he gets on that road where that one road, you know, the, anywhere else you can travel. But he gets on the one road where gas stations aren't prevalent. And so as he's going, he's watching the needle get lower and lower and lower until he runs out of gas. So here, this English immigrant in a new country, in a new land, he gets out of the car and he realizes he's out of gas. He looks around. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't have a map. He's not sure what the custom is, whether it's safe to stick out your thumb and hitchhike or not. And so he's there on the side of the road and he watches cars whiz past him. And this dilapidated old car, maybe it's a Pinto, something like that comes by. Yeah, I said Pinto, you know, really old. Comes by and stops and slows down, looks at the man, and then speeds slash putters on off. Another 20 or 30 minutes goes by. And sure enough, coming in the opposite direction, here comes that Pinto once again. And a man who speaks broken English in another foreign language that the Englishman didn't understand, he gets out with a gas can and he fills the car up with gas. And he says, you should be good for now. And the man says, how did you know? How did you know that I needed gas? How did you know that this was a problem? And he said in his broken English, I just moved here from out of the country just a couple of weeks ago. See, sometimes when we come to the table of our Lord, we think that we are the only ones dealing with what we're dealing with. We think we're the only ones that have our worries, our griefs, our concerns, the experiences that we've had from the week past or our worries about the week ahead. But yet, just maybe, if we look around, we can't really tell what goes on in each of our lives, but just maybe somebody that's kneeling right beside you has dealt with the same thing or is dealing with it. Someone just beside you is running out of gas in their lives and they're trying to figure out how to make ends meet, how to find the energy, if you will, to reach their destination. But we don't know that if we stay on our own island. But if we take a moment and we're humble and we're gentle with each other and we look out for those that are least and last and lost right amongst us, then maybe, just maybe at that moment in time, we realize that we are here together and the gifts that we have can help someone on the other side of the room. Bear each other in patience and love. Oh, I love these words. Bear each other in patience and love. We've got to find a deeper appreciation for what each other has. That's what God wants for us. So I talked about the path elements. I'll confess to you, that was a fun exercise. I'm more of a Myers-Briggs typology kind of person. Now, if you know anything about that, that's, it takes basically a series of, of tests and it sort of evaluates your personality. One of 16 different combinations of letters. It measures you on introversion versus extroversion, on sensing versus intuition, on thinking versus feeling, or on perceiving versus judging. 
Now, it doesn't matter what you score, even if you score high on the, the thinking piece, it doesn't mean you don't have any feelings. It just means that's how you process the world around you. You process it more with thinking rather than feeling. It means that you draw your energy from those ways. It means you make your decisions like that. So what is it, example, is you have an example, you have someone, the two people go to the movies, one is a more thinking person, one's a more feeling person. The movie rolls, the movie's happening, and the feeling person all of a sudden has just got these tears rolling down their face. They are just caught up in all of the raw emotion of the movie. And you know what the thinking person's doing, don't you? Sitting right next to him going, good Lord, why are they crying? It's just a movie. Meanwhile, the feeling person's got all these tears. They look over the thinking person with no tears and going, oh my goodness, how do they not feel this? They experience the same movie in different perspectives. And on the car ride home to hear them talk about that movie, they both found that they really enjoyed it. And as they heard the other's perspective, they began to enrich their movie experience. Well, my friends, each of us in this room, each of us worshiping today, we have a different personality mix that's been given to us by God in heaven. And it's because of that that we see worship with a different perspective. We feel worship differently. We think about it differently. We look at it differently. But it's when we sit around after worship, when we're talking over the, over the lunch table this afternoon, or maybe this afternoon, later on, or during the week, and we say, what did you think of worship on Sunday? We come up with the, boast, the idea that it really was brilliant. I mean, it is, right? It really was brilliant, and the worship was wonderful, but yet you got there from different perspectives. Because of the way God created you. It's a much richer experience. Finally, Paul reminds the Ephesian church, the church at Ephesus, to have this unity of spirit always. See, we're different. We're different by the way God made us, and God loves those differences because those differences help us see the world from a different perspective. But the differences really don't matter to Christ because what really matters is our relationship with God in heaven. And so it's in Christ that our differences really are unimportant. It's in Christ that we find what really matters, that relationship that we have with our Savior. It's in Christ that we find that what really matters is our calling. And so as we think about that, as we think about sitting on opposite sides of the room, whether it's the paths, the path elements, or whether it's the Myers-Briggs or some other way, however you define yourself, what really matters is that we come together in the middle of the room. That we come together at the Lord's table and we experience the bounty of the Lord together. Because that's what God wanted from the beginning. Peter Rabel writes this poem and I think it really fits for us today. We build on foundations that we did not lay. We warm ourselves by fires that we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees that we did not plant. We drink from wells that we did not dig. We profit from persons we did not know. And this is as it should be. Because together, we're more than any one person could be. 
together we can build across the generations. Together we can renew our hope and faith in the life that is yet to unfold. Together we can heed the call to ministry of care and justice. We are ever bound in community and may it always be so. We are ever bound in community and may it always be so. So in a few moments as we come to the table of the Lord, as we celebrate the meal of the kingdom, our differences are celebrated and cherished, but they're not what is important. What is important is when we come together at the table and we offer our individual nature, our gifts, our graces, and we offer them together for the good of God's kingdom. Where we are humble and gentle with each other. Where we bear each other in patience and love. And where we find a unity of spirit. Because there we remember that we are one body. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. But more importantly... We are one people together celebrating the one meal of the kingdom, something that we cherish, celebrate, and love. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.